a desert planet with twin suns. Cassian Ander. This is what revolution looks like. People are standing up. Welcome back to Twin Sun Talks, folks. I'm your host, Jonah Liu. Thank you so much for listening, and I'm glad to have you tuning into this episode. Today, we're going to be breaking down and reviewing episode five of Andor, which I'm super excited about. So without further ado, let's dive into I Have Spoken. I Have Spoken. So like I said, today, we're going to be going over episode five of Andor titled The Axe Forgets. And like normal, we're going to be starting with my non-spoiler review, followed by my full spoiler review and breakdown and ending with some theories that I have over uh, what the show might do or where it might go moving forward. So, starting off with my non-spoiler review, what I have to say about that is that this episode was very tense. Not much happened narratively, but you get this feeling that things are building towards something big. So I'm very excited for what that is and what the next episodes have in store. That being said, the rest of this episode will have spoilers, so if you don't want those then go ahead and stop listening now. This will still be here once you watch the episode, so uh, I don't want to ruin anything for you, so this is your standard. Spoiler warning, spoiler, 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 spoiler. Let's dive in. So, first off, we have Cyril Karn, who was the deputy inspector for the Primor Security Authority, and he seems pretty down on his luck. He has some mommy issues. His mom does not seem to support him or really care for what his previous occupation was, or trust him to figure things out for himself. Uh, It doesn't seem like he's very accepted by his family in general for his decisions. And by the end of the episode, we see that he is ready to hunt down Cassian. Uh, What his motivation is, is unclear. We don't know if he wants to get revenge, if he wants to uh, recruit him, join him. It's up to interpretation. I would assume that he wants revenge as of right now, and then maybe once he gets to know him, he might want to get to know him. Like, I don't, I don't know. It, we'll, we'll see. But as of right now, I'm, I'm pretty sure that he is going after revenge. Next up, we have some tension in the Rebels, uh, which is Vel's group that we see on Aldani. Um, Skeen is the character that we sort of get a lot of uh, perspective on in this episode. And he deeply mistrusts Andor. Um, That his line is what is the namesake of the episode, The Axe Forgets. Because it's this idea that the axe forgets, but the tree never does. And that's kind of the mentality of the rebels. The Empire is this axe, this thing that is chipping away at them. And they might forget or not consider the damage that they're doing to the people of the galaxy. But the tree, the people, don't forget. And... It's about time that they start standing up. So that's the idea. Uh, Skeen is far more um, kind of uh, hardened by his relationship with the Empire. At the end of the episode, he says, I always hated the Empire. I don't really know what to call how I feel now after recounting how essentially they caused the death of his brother. Um, I think that that's just an amazing line for these sort of um, hardened and cynical members of the rebellion and then you get the uh, i don't remember what his name is but then there's the younger member of their crew who is much more optimistic he believes in what they're fighting for um and and still has a lot of hope that they're going to be making a difference he's almost like the foil to cyril in that way where both of them are very convinced that what they're doing is for the greater good and what they're doing is is going to make a difference whereas um 
like the superior of the Primor, the the head officer, was very reserved and laid back about everything, basically, whereas Cyril was very buttoned up and, and enthusiastic. Same thing with Skeen and his uh and his teammate. They um they it, they it's just the dichotomy of the young and hopeful versus the um experienced and cynical. I think that that's a pretty cool thing to see within the group. We also get to see Cassian continue to prove his worth. He has insight into determining the weight of the transport that they take out of the Imperial facility in their plan. Um, he also has input in how to orient their group based on the fact that Skeen is left-handed. Um, he notices that in the formation that they're walking in uh, and that they're practicing walking up to the, to the Imperial facility, it doesn't make too much sense because you want your weapon on the outside and Skeen's left-handed, so his in their current orientation, his weapon was on the inside. And he also was very perceptive on the dominant hand of everyone in the group. He was able to say, okay, everyone else is right-handed except for this person who is right-handed but shoots with their left. I just think that I know Vel noticed that, and it just shows that he is a survivor. He picks up on things really quickly and knows what will and won't be helpful information if they get into a pinch. He also comes clean about being a mercenary, and his reasoning is the fact that it was going to be one thing or another, because the day before a big job or a big assignment like this is always stressful because of all the the what-ifs and the what-if-this-goes-wrong, X, Y, and Z. And he's essentially saying, like, it might as well be this, and it's like, I don't want... I don't want to be the reason that someone backs out and gets cold feet. Like I want to make sure everyone's in this. And so for that reason, he comes out honestly to the group. And, um, and I think that that was a really cool thing. I think that it, and people are like, you're not with it for the cause. You're just here for the money. He's like, essentially. Yeah. Like I'm risking my life for this. Like, why wouldn't I, why wouldn't I take the cash? And I just think that that's a very interesting perspective, and I, I'm interested interested to see how that might shift throughout the show. Um, moving on to characters other than Cassian, Mon Mothma's family sucks. Her husband isn't supportive of her at all. She also has these little snide remarks for him when uh, he asks, oh, did you, uh, like, you didn't tell me about this foundation. Why was that? And she was like, well, it's charitable. Like, ooh little burn there apparently he's not a very generous guy and he also didn't stand up for her uh whenever her daughter was sort of digging into her about not being there essentially and just wanting to take her places to show that she is an involved parent um she doesn't think that she cares and you just kind of start to see the toll that her sacrifices take on her family because you know she isn't telling i'm assuming she's not telling them about her rebellious um, tendencies because for, to protect them essentially and to not implicate them if she's ever found out and um, she's giving her all for this cause and it's really tearing her family apart and that's super sad to see but I think that it's a very interesting perspective that we haven't gotten before um, from Star Wars so I think that that's super interesting we also get more about Deidre Miro and this is less about her and more about the discussion that she has with her subordinate. But they mentioned Hosnian Prime, which is the capital of the New Republic in the sequels. That's the first time we hear that mentioned in the sort of original trilogy era uh, 
content like shows and movies and stuff like that. We also get Kessel, which has the spice mines that were worked by slaves. We get to see it for the first time in Solo, a Star Wars story. And obviously it's a reference to the Kessel run, which is the route that you take to get there and to leave. Uh, We also get Fondor reference, which is a manufacturing hub for the Empire. Uh, Dooku actually tried to leverage this planet to get Tarkin to uh, join the Separatists with his planet Ariadu. Tarkin, of course, being Grand Moff Tarkin, who works for the Empire, but before that was a captain in the uh, Grand Army of the Republic, and it was first introduced in Battlefront 2. We also get Jakku reference, which was introduced in the sequels. It's Ray's home, the the desert planet, and it was the site of the true fall of the Empire. Uh, Some think that it was the destruction of the second Death Star. That's not what it was. It was the Battle of Jakku. Uh, which is outlined in some of the Aftermath novels, if I'm not mistaken. I haven't read them, but I've heard that they're really good. Uh, And then I just love her little exchange when they're trying to figure out what's going on, and her superiors have sort of brushed her aside when she's discussed these sort of little little incidences because they're too random. But then her subordinate points out that it's too random to be random. Like, it seems very intentionally spread out, and she even references that, where it's like, you never climb the same fence twice. You keep it too inconsequential to draw major attention, and this is just the start of the rebellion, and she's picking up on it when no one else is, and I think that that's really cool, because we're still getting, we're, we haven't met up with Sagrera yet, we haven't met up with a lot of these people. I'm sure we're going to get perspective from him, Bail Organa, a lot of these major rebel leaders, I'm hopeful that we'll get maybe Harrison, Dula, and Kanan. I think that that could be really cool. I don't know. I know this isn't a show for cameos, but I think that those could all work in very uh, organic ways and maybe even uh, not even like a visual cameo, but just like a reference to one of them, I think could be really, really interesting. And then lastly, we have Luthen's Gallery. Uh, a couple things that I didn't catch in the previous episode. There's a Calicori in his galax- er, gallery, which is uh, an, a Twi'lek family heirloom, which was very... Uh, of great emotional significance to many families. Uh, we see it, one of those featured prominently in Rebels when uh, Harris and Dula is trying to get her Calicori from Grand Admiral Thrawn. We also see a Wookiee, uh, like, General's helmet which in there, which is pretty cool. We see Captain Tarful um, wearing one in Revenge of the Sith. And in this episode, we see big replicas of holocrons. We see one that's a a square, which is more like a Jedi's holocron, and one that's a triangle, which is more like a Sith. So unclear as to what the significance of those are. Maybe they're real. I don't know. I would assume not. They seem too big to be real. But I could be wrong. If I am, let me know. And um, and yeah, that's about all that I have for the episode breakdown. As far as my spoiler review, there wasn't much to this episode, Uh, I don't think it was bad, but it certainly wasn't the best. I think we got some great character interactions, which which are going to make some big moments even more tragic later in the show because it seems like this show is about the cost of fighting for something you believe in, which gives plenty of opportunities for heartbreaking moments, which I'm sure we're going to be getting in the next couple episodes. And it's definitely slow, but it's interesting and it has me hooked. So that's about all that I have to say. Before we go, let's dive into Visions. To continue, we need one singular vision. My vision. Probably my biggest gripe with this show is that I don't feel like we have too much to theorize about. Uh, It's pretty self-contained. There's not much connection to the bigger Star Wars story yet. Um, 
And so that's a little frustrating as a content creator just because I want something to kind of latch onto and I don't have that quite yet. But um, that being said, we still need payoff for the storyline with Cassian's sister. Um, we have unresolved flashback stories with Marva back in the days of uh, around the Clone Wars whenever she first gets Cassian. Um, I don't know. It's unclear if Mon Mothma's dinner party already happened or not. I don't remember if that was tonight, like that night. And so we just skipped over that, which is unfortunate because that, that would have been an interesting thing to see. Or maybe it's about to happen. Not entirely sure. Um, I don't know. I th we also still need to learn more about Cyril and Deidre. We haven't learned too much about either of them. Cyril being the uh, the deputy inspector and then Deidre being the in uh, Imperial Security Bureau uh, officer. We didn't get too much about either of them. So I think that that still uh, has a lot of opportunity. We're almost halfway done with the show. Um, so next week's going to be the halfway mark. It's still really slow. I will acknowledge that. I don't think it's bad. I just think that it's it it has it hasn't captured people's attention the same way that a lot of other shows did. Um, so I'm still very much interested, and I think that it's going in a really interesting direction. So that being said, that's all that I have for this episode. Make sure you stay tuned next Monday. I'm going to be dropping uh, the second installment of my Star Wars boot camp, which is going to be a monthly occurrence. And, um, yeah, it's just going to be me talking about some, uh, directed at people who haven't really gotten into Star Wars yet. So if you know someone like that, or you want to talk to someone who fits that bill, then go ahead and listen to this episode or share this next episode. Um, and we'll, we'll get them into Star Wars together. How does that sound? Um, that being said, follow us on Instagram at twin sun talk, subscribe to us on YouTube, twin sun talks podcast, and Follow and listen wherever you get your podcast by searching Twin Sun Talks. That would mean a lot to me, but that's about all that I have. You've taken your first steps into a larger world. May the force be with you, and I will see you all in the next episode. Bye, friends.